Find out what the whole world is thinking in the agenda. On the agenda, Brussels goes to Beijing. But what does face-to-face -face summit mean for future relations between China and the European Union? European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and President of the European Council Charles Michel headed to Beijing for their first face-to-face -face meeting with President Xi in four years. So where do we stand following the summit and what does it all mean for global trade? Well, joining me now from Beijing is Wang Huiyao, founder and president of the Centre for China and Globalisation. In Brussels, Ambassador Pete Steele, the chair of the Europe Asia Centre, and from the University of Bradford, Jean Monnet Professor Jean-Marc Trier. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. I'm going to start with you, um, Jean-Marc. Now, China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi said earlier in the week that this meeting was a chance to push China-EU relations to a new level with new prospects. Has this summit achieved that? Yes, well, uh, this summit uh, that took place uh, at, in Beijing uh, was the 24th EU-China summit. So there is a long uh, history of uh, communication between uh, between the two blocs, between the EU and China. However, this time the EU leaders actually uh, who were present at the table were representing a different bloc that, uh, than before. Uh, because the uh, well, you, you've had the pandemic, you've had the invasion of Ukraine, you've had a lot of uh, uh, changes mm. at geopolitical level in the world, uh, and uh, the EU is changing. The EU is adapting, sometimes reluctantly, but it has become much more reactive than it was before. And um, uh, in 2019, when Ursula von der Leyen took office, uh, she announced that her commission would be a geopolitical commission. This, this at first, you know, uh, was met with skepticism, not least on the side of uh, Beijing. But it is a fact that von der Leyen has actually transformed the commission. It's no longer yeah. a bureaucratic secretariat implementing the will of uh, European national leaders. Um, but it is now more a major macroeconomic actor, geoeconomic yes. uh, actor. So you're talking about that change of mindset then from the European um, Union, but sometimes there, well, there are hints that perhaps they are overstepping. I mean, after the meeting with Ursula von der Leyen and Charles Michel, a president, she said that Europe must eliminate all kinds of interference that exist within their relationship and should not view China as a rival. Um, Ambassador, do you think that's going to happen? Yes, I also um, saw these comments from uh, President uh, Xi Jinping. Um, of course, you know, it all depends on how do you find rival and how do you find, uh, you know, this this um, uh, relationship. Um, uh, my experience is that even be between good friends, there can be a kind of competition and rivalry, and particularly on, on trade matters. Uh, as far as interference is concerned, uh, I think it's good, you know, the interference again, um, I, I don't see interference in, 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 in any way in, in, in the discussions. Uh, I don't see it as an interference. There was a candid discussion. That means people were really talking openly and very candidly. And I think this is very important in any dialogue you have. And I think the dialogue at the moment between uh, between China and the EU is is one of the most important dialogues 
you know, in the world. I mean, uh, together with the EU and, 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 and the US. So I think we have to talk about uh, in an open spirit, transparent manner. And I think uh, there is no place here of talking about interference as such. And I don't see it as such. So. And Ursula von der Leyen said these talks um, were intense. Um, but Huiao, um, let, let's talk about what, what President Xi described as the relationship being really important for, for global peace, that relationship between China and Europe. Global mm. peace, stability, prosperity. So what, if anything, do you think has emerged from this meeting that will cement that? Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, this is the first time, I mean, four years, uh, physically, uh, the top leaders of EU and top leaders of China, uh, both President and Premier, uh, uh, met uh, in Beijing. And this is very significant. It also shows China opening up. And also remember, this is also the, uh, you know, two or three weeks follow up the summit between President Xi and President Biden. I think, you know, the world, as I agree with uh, the opening remark, the world has greatly changed uh, since uh, uh, five, four years ago. And, but the, it's now it more realized now. The world is getting more dangerous. There's more conflict. There's more war going on. And, uh, uh, and then EU is really caught in between now. And then China, as uh, uh, one of the emerging uh, global uh, uh, power, has really... Uh, can play more active, constructive role. Uh, for example, China has secured a deal for uh, Iran and Saudi, I mean, earlier this year. And of course, China has uh, be, uh, set up an envoy uh, to mediate between uh, Russian war in Ukraine, but also uh, Palestinian and Israel conflict. So I think uh, more than ever, you know, EU sees China's increasingly important role. And I, I think I'm glad to see the outcome of these meetings that both realize we cannot be coupled. That's they all emphasize we cannot decouple. And I both I realize we are really ideal partners in many fronts collaborate, including trade and economy. We have to increase the uh, balance of that as well. So so what I interpret of this uh, high, high level summit is, is very constructive. It is very timely. And it's really built up the consensus that China and the EU are strong supporters of uh, multilateralism, of, uh, of also against the conflict uh, in uh, either in uh, you know Europe or, or Middle East, and also EU sees the role, increasingly important role China played in leading the global South, and I think also in uh, President Xi also mentioned that uh, you know Belt and Road Summit of China, but also EU's uh, global gateway can work together. I mean, for the global South. I mean, President Xi talked about that mutual cooperation. I'm wondering where we might be seeing that in practice. I mean, is it likely to be mainly around the green transition or, or elsewhere? I think uh, the the translation into practice is very important, and the best signals I think uh, we can. We will hear, maybe not, uh, but in the coming days and coming weeks, is how the you know the, the the private the business operators will interpret you know this this kind of statements. You know that's very important because they they will decide how they will implement their strategies. You know in Europe, you know Chinese companies in Europe or uh, European companies in China. That's how I see it. Now uh, I think we. Um, uh, we have to build on this summit, and, and, I'm, and I'm very happy to see that there are some new initiatives. I mean, there will be more cooperation and more talk and dialogue on, 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 on finance, you know, and on, on the economy. Um, in, 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 as far as uh, 
my organization is concerned, which is the Europe Asia Center, we are very much interested in, in what we call people-to-people -people exchanges. And the dialogue will be resumed between China and the EU on people-to-people -people exchanges. So we really look forward to, to what it means uh, in, in the field, on the spot, how it will be translated into action. Hui Yao, I want to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier the, the, and how the language has changed, moving from decoupling to, to de-risking, because that's something that the, the EU began, that, that push to, to de-risk the bloc's supply chains from China and to secure critical technologies. What do you think it's going to take to change that? Well, I think that uh, suddenly uh, EU strongly against the decoupling, which is, uh, which is a, a step in the right direction. But also you mentioned about the risk, but also we have to really clarify what the risk means. If it's the risk from China, that doesn't make sense at all. But if we're talking about the risk from climate change or the risk from pandemic, the risk from AI's future threats, that's fine. So. So we have to really mention that when when Jane Yellen, you know, the Treasury Secretary of the U.S., come to China, shouldn't even talk about the risk. Should talk about diversification. So so if we actually interpret that as a diversification, that's fine. That's a common knowledge. That's a common sense. Or every business does that. We don't have to emphasize the risk. So if not really talk about the risks with China, uh, that that that'd be fine. So I mean, everybody does uh, uh, diversify. Does you know people take a risk and uh, and uh, uh, you know calculations all the time. So so we don't really have the government has to re doesn't have to recognize that. If you really talk about the risk, and, you know, the couple or, or, or a rivalry, just like you are flashing the red lights, green lights, and the yellow lights all at the same time. It sends a very confused signal to the business community what to do, <laughs> where to go. So, so I think we have to be really clarifying that. I mean, the risk is only a very small part of that, but majority of that is cooperative. If I may add some, uh, you know, on de-risking, um, indeed, I mean, it's, it's all in, you know, the word is probably a little bit... Um, you know, it's probably not the best chosen word in, in international diplomacy. Uh, it's more probably, you know, you find it in business, more, you know, risk analysis and all that. Uh, but de-risking for me means, you know, you know, to become less dependent, uh, you know, in some strategic uh, areas uh, of the economy. And I, and I think this this is also applied by, you know, de-risking. You, you see it in all countries. I mean, Europe has been... A very open economy has been a very open um, uh, trading partner. Uh, so I, I believe that that in a way um, de-risking is not a, a danger as such. If you look at it, I mean, if you look at the whole relationship, the economic and trade relationship between China and the EU, uh, about 95% is 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 not about de-risking. De-risking is a very you know minute part of our relationship. It's important, and I think uh, this is kind of uh, you know in in Europe we have indeed, uh, as it was already mentioned at the beginning, uh, probably are less naive than 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 five years or ten years ago. We we try to to live in a world. I mean, and to understand that world how it is. Our economy, our industries depend on indeed on on certain very strategic materials, and particularly for for the future uh, industry, which is much more based on on IT and and, and artificial intelligence. I mean, this is a, a very new kind of it's a game changer, and I think we have to look at it in a very realistic way. 
and and of course we have we need to have this dialogue with you know with our partners like China on on this matter. I mean, we don't hide it. You know, let's let's face it, but don't see it as as something which is going to you know uh, overshadow our relationship as such. Jean-Marc, something that China has pushed back on is what the EU is doing around electric vehicles. I mean, China is the world leader. They say through innovation, free competition and a complete industrial supply chain and says the EU's investigation into China's state support for makers of electric vehicles is protectionist practice. What's your take on that? Well, China is an extremely important um, partner in terms of uh, the, the market. It is uh, the largest market on earth for electric vehicles now. And uh, China is also uh, very much involved in um, controlling as much as it can uh, the resources that are needed for electric batteries. So it is very important to cooperate closely with China, uh, whilst at the same time, I think, uh, trying to um, work towards this uh, um, uh, this uh, autonomy in terms of uh, in terms of supply um, because this uh, strategic uh, uh, this path to strategic uh, autonomy is actually a difficult one uh, it is a challenging one especially with big players such as the us and china but it is actually noticeable that some big companies like uh, like Volkswagen, like the, the big uh, car manufacturers, players in Europe actually continue to invest and sometimes very large sums in China, despite the fact that post-pandemic there's been a trend towards, um, towards disinvesting in China and investing in countries that are considered as uh, uh, geopolitically uh, safer from the perspective of investors. And that, that, that's, I think, one of the, the main uh, lessons of this uh, meeting. There was a, a spirit of uh, openness, where each party was prepared to, you know, uh, uh, listen to the others. That's ever so important in a world that is becoming even more dangerous. Let's face it, though, China remains the EU's major trading partner, doesn't it, um, um, Huiyao? I mean, how far do you think that this meeting went towards making things perhaps less confrontational, especially over the high-tech sector? Well, it's absolutely. I think, uh, the, you know, we haven't heard too much about mention about this uh, subsidy issue uh, in this conference because it's really, it's a double-edged sword because uh, uh, the Euro automakers uh, are in China. You know, they are, they are, they are, they are really uh, developed a state-of-the-art uh, EV cars here in China. They are, they have the best R&D center in China. So the China center, the China largest production base in China supply those uh, European automakers throughout the world. So so if they have to be, uh, you know, cutting edge, if they have to be most competitive, they have to be in China because that's where all the uh, transformation has been taking place now for decades. So they are really, here's the uh, testing ground, here's the R&D center, here's the best product produced for your auto workers. So if EU started this, uh, uh, investigation or subsidy issues is really controversial and I'm, it may lead to a trade friction or even trade war so i don't think the european automakers are, can bear that and also they're going to slow down gradually uh, significantly like climbing the 
uh, you know, peak or climate neutral objectives of, of both the EU and China. So it doesn't really, it's counterproductive. So I think I'm glad to see that it was not really uh, mentioned uh, uh, much uh, this time. I do wonder though, Pete, um, how much you think that the EU speaks with one voice on China? Of course, we, we, you know, the EU is 27 countries and, uh, you know, they meet on a regular basis in, in Brussels at the highest level, you know, uh, heads of state, heads of government. Uh, it's chaired by uh, Charles Michel. Um, and what, what I want to say, of course, is that uh, you have to find a consensus uh, among, you know, 27, which is not always easy. And every country, you know, um, uh, in the EU, EU is not a federal state as such. You know, EU is as a, and and what I would call an ad hoc structure, um, which was built over over the years. You know, uh, started in the fifties. So we we are now twenty seven, and it's not always easy to. But we speak with one voice. We speak with one voice on trade, for instance. You know, trade. You know how how important trade is, and it's the European Commission as such, uh, which negotiates. You know trade matters with, with other countries, you know, and particularly on, on China. Now, on, on um, the matter of um, anti-subsidies um, uh, investigations, I mean, this is part of what I would call an adult, adult relationship. It's a mature relationship already, you know, between China and, and the EU. And I remember I spent some time in uh, in Geneva as a diplomat, uh, particularly you know with with the GATT and the WTO afterwards. And I remember you know the EU and the US they had always conflicts on specific matters. I remember we had years of of, of discussions and negotiations on subsidies on uh, Airbus and on Boeing. I mean, this is part of your, you know, a, a very mature relationship. And that is what is happening today as well. I mean, of course, you can always interpret, you know, certain measures in a, from a specific political angle, but I don't see it. I see it as a, as a very mature relationship in trade. And of course, there are ups and downs and we, we are there together to find and manage, uh, you know, to find solutions and manage the situation. I, I want to push you further on, on that, at Ambassador. You, you talk about the, the relationship between the US and China, and I wonder how far the EU is governed by what, what's happening with, with that relationship, because the mood after President Xi's meeting with President Biden last month did seem to be quite warm. I, I, I wonder if you think that the relationship between China and the EU is heading along the same path and if they maybe take their cues from what's happening on the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah, on the on the meeting between uh, uh, President Biden and President Xi Jinping, I think indeed it was, um, I, I, I felt kind of a, a relief. I mean, finally, I mean, they then they, they seem to have a better understanding. And there is also a personal relationship between Xi Jinping and, and President Biden, which goes back for, for a very long time. Of course, um, in, in, with the EU, I, I was not present in, in, uh, in Beijing, but as what I see from, from, from you know, the, the media and, and, and the different uh, uh, releases press that I saw, I think it, it, it went very well. And uh, of course, 
it, we are still not in a position, EU and in the US, you have a, a US president. I mean, we are still, Europe is still in the making, as you know. This is a long process, uh, and we made great strides in, in, in uh, becoming uh, a, a big power as, as EU as such, and it was mentioned, you know, it's a geopolitical uh, commission at the moment. So um, I think comparing with China-US relationship, I think we, we have to go our own way. You know, Europe has to find its own way between between the US and, and, and China. And I think uh, what I see is um, we do it. And I think we are also confronted in Europe. We are confronted in Europe with a war, which is actually pushing us uh, to, you know, bringing us more together. And I think uh, that's why uh, in, 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 you know, what I see from the discussions, uh, very open discussions that, you know, all the subjects which might be of concern, you know, to Europe were raised and also from the, the Chinese side. So I think uh, I, I, I found this uh, summit certainly uh, a, a, a very good step in the right direction for, um, you know, a greater cooperation with China and the EU. Let's talk about what is going to happen next. Jean-Marc, um, over to you. Where do you see China-EU relations heading in 2024? I think there are uh, lots of areas where uh, China and the EU could cooperate. And uh, one of them is perhaps uh, one that should be, uh, you know, raised more often. This would be cooperation uh, in Africa, where China, both China and the EU are very involved. Um, so the, the African continent is facing huge challenges, not least in terms of food supply because of the the invasion of Ukraine, uh, but also um, uh, in terms uh, in, in in terms of uh, the demographic explosion that it has to face. It has to create 20 to 25 million new jobs a year on a continent that has now the population of China, uh, the equivalent population. Uh, so uh, big challenges there. And uh, the EU and China could actually uh, make uh, efforts to jointly cooperate closely with Africa and with the African Union in order to uh, launch um, a trilateral cooperation uh, that would be beneficial to the future division of labor uh, of uh, the, the, the future position of uh, Africa in the international division of labor. Um, so there would be lots of benefits where uh, on a, instead of seeing Africa as a battleground, uh, seeing Africa as an area where cooperation can be intensified, where both China and the EU can be um, uh, you know, sometimes competitors, but also sometimes uh, in close cooperation. That would be beneficial for all parties involved. Hui Yao, what's your outlook for EU-China relations in 2024? Well, I think this is a really a great, very good uh, uh, new start. Uh, after COVID, post-COVID, uh, Sino-EU relations uh, uh, come back a bit to the normalcy, at least uh, to the people-to-people -people exchange. We'll see the next year, uh, 60th anniversary of uh, China-French diplomatic ties. It'll be a cultural year between China and France and tourism year. And also we see, uh, uh, of course, uh, 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 love to see this China just recently, uh, uh, you know, uh, voluntarily, unilaterally <laughs> lifted the uh, visa restriction for top five EU countries. So we're going to see more European tourists coming to China. 
And, and also, I hope that, uh, you know, this uh, uh, CHI, the Comprehensive Agreement on Investment in China and the EU, should be uh, really, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know real, to be realized. I mean, China could probably, I would, you know, like to see China probably unilaterally uh, lift, uh, you know, that uh, uh, some, some of these uh, uh, restrictions. But of course, uh, we should leave the restriction on both sides. But China could apply unilaterally uh, this agreement to some, you know, uh, Belt and Road country like Hungary, like the Greek and, and, and other Greece and other con European countries, but you know, really can apply that uh, to the highest openness from China. But also, I think f furthermore, I see you and China are strong defenders of multilateralism. I mean, let's get we're getting the multipolar world, like like Ola Schultz just said. You know, unipolar is one is gone, and multipolar is here. So let's work together. Great, China can work with you on Africa, can work on the Belt and Road, EU Global Gateway, even B3W. So let, let's really find a way to work together. Climate change is a big thing as well. And AI, digital, uh, you know, uh, climate, uh, uh, pandemic, uh, uh, outer space, you know, all those great things, EU and China should work together. And also, finally, I think EU could do something to mediate between China and the US. So this is a good start. Let's hope for the best next year. Wang Hui Yao, Pete Steele, and uh, Jean-Marc Trouillet, thank you very much. But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all the Agenda team here in London, goodbye.